Hey everybody, you are listening to the RDR show. I'm your host Kevin, and I'm your host Joffrey. Welcome back to another episode of the Rant, Debate, and Repeat Show podcast, where we talk about things in our everyday life and topics in society. Today we're going to talk about the latest、uh, Supreme Court decision. It's a famous、uh, cake decision, and、uh, we're going to have、uh, returning guest Vinny back on the podcast today, and then we're going to talk about. Um, the cake decision and then the LGBTQ rights in today's society. Yeah, it should be a good episode.、Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't here. I had other commitments, but Kevin will be flying solo with Vinny, and it should be a great episode. All right, stay tuned. This is Kevin from the RDR show, and we're here today with Vinny again. Hey, hi, Vinny. How's it going? It's so great. How are you? Good, good. I believe this is the second time that we're doing podcasting, right? Yeah, that's right. Cool. And、um, Vinny and I sort of were, were、uh, talking a bit today, and then. Um, something really, really important happened today in terms of you know、um, one very, very funky、uh, you know a Supreme Court decision, and then we just said okay, let's just、uh, hop on the podcast and talk about them. Yeah, totally. Cool.、Um, so the case is called、uh, Masterpiece,、uh, Masterpiece Cake Shop versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission, and、um, it was like the event was first a.、Uh, First occurred in 2012, and then the、uh, Supreme Court decision was decided today,、um, June 4th. So,、um, Manny, do you want to tell us like a little bit about this case, like the brief、uh, Cliff Notes version of it? Yeah, sure. So,、um, this is a kind of a famous argument and a longstanding argument that's been happening、um, between the queer community and and others and the religious community, especially and. Um, basically, this case was about、um, two a, a gay couple that went to a bakery and and、um, was refused a service. They were refused a cake,、um, mm-hmm. and then the baker、um, claimed that it was against his religious religious freedom and freedom of speech to、um, to sell this cake to this couple.、Um, and another important designation is that he he claims that he sees his cake as art,、um, mm-hmm. which which is an important designation as we think about.、Um, About freedom of expression, so、um, yeah, that is kind of the the very top line basics of the case.、Mm-hmm. To me, I just feel like it's kind of mind boggling because this thing happening, you know, was you know、uh, happened to them,、mm-hmm. and then six years、uh, later, we finally got like a verdict. So it's like, ah,、uh, this thing takes a long time. It does, and. and- You know that's the nature of the court system too. To climb all the way up to the Supreme Court is a huge, huge battle. Yeah, they have to probably go through the state court and then 
probably uh, the federal court and then the uh, Supreme Court, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So in a nutshell, I feel like this case can be summarized into either shall we protect the uh, civil rights movement or shall we protect the religious beliefs? Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and I, I and I will probably get into this. It it does get more nuanced and complicated, but definitely on a top line, it's very mm -hmm. much about like, you know, discrimination or religious quote freedom. Um, so yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, the baker's name is uh, Jack Phillips, right? Mm -hmm. Let's let's sort of like tangle this first part, which I think is very very interesting. Um, he's been making and, you know, owned his cake shop for 24 years. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he like claimed himself as like a, a specialty cake maker. Sure. Which, which I think, you know, like if you are just like, you know, selling random pound, pound cake on the, you know, on the uh, farmer's market, I don't think you, you can probably win this argument because, you know, you are not doing that enough to be conceived as like a artistic expressionist. You're like you're not like a cake artist yet. Mm. But to me, like that just seemed like a very, very large, you know, a stretch just saying that, okay, so I have like a lot of experience making cake, then that that makes me an artist. That makes me protected by the, you know, First Amendment. You know? Yeah, I don't know how Actually, I'd be interested to learn if there's <laughs> any specific. I don't know. I think anyone could just call themselves an artist, you know? Um, I think so, too. You know? So, yeah. Like, you're a writer, and then, you know, like, writer is kind of like more on like a black and white side, right? For example, like a chef. Yeah. Right? Like a, like a five, like a, a three star Michelin star chef they can probably call themselves an artist, but that doesn't give them the right to sort of decline services and things like that. Yeah. And, and I think what we're getting at too here is that while, while, you know, this baker may or may not actually identify as an artist, it's, it's the legal strategy that could make that discrimination um, stand in the court. So I think it was also a, a pretty strategic move as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I I saw in the uh, I don't know like two hundred pages PDF that Jack Phillips claimed that he is a devout Christian. Mm -hmm. What that means is he probably just like a just just like a person who like very very you know what's the term for it like a Bible thumper or something. Sure. How like how do you define like a devout Christian? Because I'm not religious at all. I just want to know like. From your perspective, like when you heard somebody is a devout Christian, what what kind of image comes comes to mind? You know, I think the first thing that comes to mind is like the different brands of religion that we see today. Um, yeah. And and the tricky thing here too is is the way that the malleable nature of religious messages and the way people kind of use them to mask what. Uh, whatever feelings or desires they have. So what makes me nervous is, is the idea of giving people the safety to discriminate within their religious feelings. So 
so I want to preface this answer with that because I think it's important, but I don't know. I think a devout Christian is just someone who tries to live their life according to, you know, values that, that parallel the churches. Um, and that, that person, that religious follower has to be really, really like, you know, um, into this stuff, right. For the lack of the uh, better word, probably like go to church every Sunday and things like that. So I, I would assume that if you're taking this case to the Supreme Court, that yes, yeah, yeah, for sure, that this is a huge, huge part of your life. Quite, quite frankly, like to me, like judging, you know, from the cake maker, uh, Jack Phillips' point of view, I think he's probably like just maybe like a little bit, you know, uh, up a little bit uh, angry about this whole thing, right? Just like um, he said it in the uh, document, he said, oh, yeah, I am like, I am uh, happy to sell you birthday cakes or brownies, but I'm not going to sell you wedding cakes. That to me, I just feel like it's like pretty, pretty like uptight and pretty obnoxious about this whole thing. Right. Like, why not? Right. I don't know. It's. Yeah. It, it, it makes the case for his religious belief in marriage versus, versus the other holidays. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I get it. And I get why that was like a, and I get why that's another strategic decision made because that makes, by making that, that specific designation, he's saying, this isn't about my service. This is about my religion. And being it when he says that, that's the kind yeah. of, that's the airtight message that they send. Um, yeah. So that's just another, I, th- I think another legal strategy here. Yeah. And then uh, in the document, uh, Jack Phillips explained that his main goal in life is to be obedient to Jesus Christ and Christ's teaching in all aspects of his life. And he seeks to honor God throughout his work at Masterpiece Cake Shop. That to me, it's just like a very large stretch. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, then, and, and I do too, like, I definitely am not against like freedom of religion. It's like such a pillar of our country. And, mm-hmm. and if it's such a big part of his life, like I do, I do hope he's able to like express that fully. Um, mm-hmm. But also, you know, a big part of a, of our country needs to be like the the freedom of access and the freedom of just against discrimination. This, um, so you know, it, it cannot come. Religious freedom cannot come at the cost of of the freedom of others. I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Vinny, do you like practice any uh, religious? beliefs or are you associated with any uh groups or something like that um i wouldn't call myself someone who practices religion today but i did grow up in the church i grew up roman catholic Um, okay you know have i've gone through some of some of the or all of the the sacraments and Mm -hmm. um you know went to sunday school and all that stuff so i'm familiar with with the environment but i i also would not say i am like an authority on biblical teachings um Do you think if if like Jack Phillips was practicing, you know, uh, Catholic uh, teachings, do you think he will arrive at a similar decision, or do you think it's like you know more you know uh, tied to the Christianity thing? You know, to 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 be honest, I think that the I'm not just going to pin this on this baker. I'm going to just broaden this out to the whole movement mm-hmm. about religious freedom. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's about um, 
people having beliefs in their heart that they shield b- behind religion. That's true. So I think that even, no matter what religion this person or anyone else would um, would take and represent, that that's kind of like the facade that's puts up that's put up. That's um, yeah. So that's what I would say. So I guess to make things clear, I don't want to like offend anybody. I think he's kind of like a homophobic to me, just just like from from his you know uh, interaction and things like that. He's just like not sure what to do, or he has some anger issues towards the L you know LBGTQ community and things like that, which is really interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, it's clear that this person does not fully accept LGBT people. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, I don't know, you know, his history or, or his feelings, um, but that that is certainly the case, and and it's it's the case for many many people across the country, and and why this this decision, um, or well, the decision was pretty nuanced, but why this case was such a big national deal because this is an argument that's been um, going back and forth for for years and years. Mm-hmm. And to sort of like fast track, right? So um, the uh, couple was going to get married in Massachusetts back in 2012. I think that was the only state that was legalized for uh, uh, same-sex marriage. And then after Jake Phillips turned them down, uh, the couple filed a complaint with the Colorado Civil Rights Commission. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, Civil Rights Commission determined that the couple has the right to, you know, um, get their service and um, things like that. And then Jack Phillips appealed because of the whole, you know, artistic expression in cake making. And then he sort of like elevated into the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden we're, we're just like, we're like debating how far the government should regulate business, which I think is like another interesting nugget in this whole conversation. Yeah, for sure. And, and I would say as, as long, when it comes to the protection of, you know, of equal rights and access, I think the government absolutely should step in because otherwise it will never, um, it will never happen. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with, you know, um, interstate commerce, uh, interstate commerce and then the laws and, you know, some cases, you know, regarding that aspect? I don't, I'm not super familiar. Um, okay. Yeah. Because last semester I took a, a business law class and then we talk about it, which I think is very interesting that we can sort of, up, sort of apply the same concept here. And then to see like the trend of, you know, a Supreme court decisions and then, how we get to where we are today, sort of, kind of. Yeah, um, it's something I would love to learn more about. It sounds interesting. I mean, and, and cool. super important. Cool. Like, I, I sort of, you know, it's kind of fresh on, on like, my mind, but I'm going to try to, I'm going to try my best to, like, flush it out. So um, there are two kinds of commerce, you know, under the law. There's interstate, I-N-T-E-R, and then there's intrastate, so I-N-T-R-A, mm-hmm. commerce. So, so like intrastate means if I have a business, I, I get all of my materials in Utah. Yep. So if like, if I'm like, my business is registered in Utah, I get everything in Utah 
then I'm an intrastate business. Mm-hmm. Uh, interstate business meaning I cross, you know, uh, lines to do business. Got I like understand people. And so there was like a famous case called the Heart of At- Atlanta Hotel back in the 1890s, I think, or the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. It's about, um, you know, there's a motel in uh, Atlanta. They refuse to serve you know, black people just because, you know, they consider themselves as an intrastate commerce, not interstate. Mm-hmm. You know, they like serve bacon in the morning and then they claim that all the pigs are from their own state, not other state. But back then, a Supreme Court was sort of like has so much power and they rule against them because they they are saying that if you are a business, there's no way you can be intrastate, you know. So say like if you are like a house builder or like if you own like a motel, in that case, you cannot make sure that every bolt and every nail in your building, every, you know, but it's from your own state. Mm -hmm. So everything should be classified under interstate commerce. So that was sort of like the pillar of, you know, in the uh, judicial history that, you know, the government, the federal government has so much power. And then afterwards, we see the uh, federal power sort of like decline and decline and decline and decline, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of leads to where we are today, where, you know, um, in this case, more, you know, specifically, I think the Bachelor Cake thing was an interstate commerce uh, business, right? It's, it, like, it's got to be, right? You, you just cannot do a, uh, do a business in trustee anymore. So, yeah, and then the uh, court system sort of, you know, root against them and saying that, oh, yeah, you know, um, the government cannot, you know, sort of allow the hostility against religious belief. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting, too. It's, it's, like, a, it's like another way of saying, okay, um, I don't want to touch on this, but let's, you know, circle back to our, you know, founding beliefs, you know, like, and then I just call it a day to me. I just feel like it's like lack of effort to me. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, I took it as basically the court saying, to be blunt, we do not have the political will right now to stand up for the protection of of, of, of queer people. It was basically a failure to protect LGBT yeah. people. Um, yeah. It also was a, a very nuanced decision. I mean, very specific to the way this Colorado Civil Rights Commission handled the case and and handled the specific aspect aspects of, of religion in the mm-hmm. case so that's true and also i do want to give some very very small credit um the supreme court did publicly acknowledge the fact that businesses need to be ac- public services need to be accessible to all people no matter what um, no matter who they are how they identify so that's like a, a good thing um, mm-hmm. But they also said, like, but you can figure that out in the States for now. So it was definitely like a deferral. That's true. I mean, another layer that I kind of want to get into, like, how how do you define somebody or or some uh, some organization in this case is being hostile against uh, religious belief? Like, How do you define that? You know, like, so like, say, if I am, you know, I used to go to church and then I don't go to church anymore. Do you consider that as like a hostile, uh, being hostile against the religions or against the church? Like, I, I just feel like it's like hard to sort of really pin down what they mean by that, you know? Yeah, it's, it's super 
it's super specific and, and to, especially to this case, but I, I read that in this case, um, the commission claimed that his, um, they suggested that his claims on religious freedom were specifically so that he could justify his discrimination. So yeah. while that may be true and while that also may be an idea I fully support, and I think that's something I said earlier on this call, um, mm-hmm. legally, that, that can't be, uh, that can't be used because that does, you know, that apparently shows hostility toward religion. So I think that's how, how they thought about it was, um, yeah, in that way. So it was kind of like the timing was still, you know, pretty interesting to me, right? Like the U.S. legalized uh, same-sex marriage back in what, 2016? I think 15. 2015. So this case was obviously before that time, right? This case happened in 2012. Mm. Do you think if like this case happened in 2016, do you think the couple will like win the case? I think if, you know, I don't know because it was a seven, two decision. Um, so I actually don't know if the outcome would have been different. Um, I don't know. It's hard to speculate. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, like seriously, like this case crossed around six years, and then during the middle of this argument, this case, the like the whole U.S. Uh, legalized same-sex marriage, and that to me just seems like a good point to stop. <laughs> you mm. know what I mean? Like that to me, it just seems like a good point to stop. Just saying, yeah, you know, um, what's the point, right? Like you know, it's already like uh, legal. Then this case conversation. Should, should just pause right there and then uh, everybody go home, you know, save for like a bunch of money. Right. I just don't see why they keep fighting for this long. It's, it is because, you know, those against, against LGBT rights will just are going to fight tooth and nail. And that's why we have to, in our own defense, fight tooth and nail for every single ounce of equality and equity that we deserve. And, um, I guess to be clear, I never, I never said this to the listeners. I'm sure it's obvious now, but I'm, I identify mm-hmm. as gay. Um, yeah. I think the other thing is, you know, this goes for almost any aspect of discrimination. Um, people are, are willing to do anything to hold on to their power and, um, and to hold on to the world that they think they know. And, um, and often it, you know, it takes breaking those things down bit by bit. Um, and I think a, a big thing is when marriage equality happened, a lot of people across the country, just especially those not close to the movement were just like, well, this is equality. Like this is it. And then, and then we see things like this happen and we realize um, that the work is, is there's much more work to do and it will take much more time. And um, mm-hmm. it will, it will also take, you know, a lot of people um, coming together to do the work as well. Mm-hmm. You've, because I'm, I'm not following that closely about you know the uh, Supreme Court judges. Because you've mentioned on the last podcast about you know um, both sides, both the conservative and the uh, liberal sides are trying to you know uh, put in their own judges. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like in terms of judge appointment have like some kind of uh, effects on this decision? 
I don't think on this decision. I mean, I only because it was so, you know, seven two is a big margin, and Trump's only put um, Gorsuch on the bench. So it's only one. Yeah, there's um, only one, mm-hmm. which was like also an. In- you could do a whole podcast on this, an incredible historic delay um, that that did a lot of damage to the justice system um, mm-hmm. in in basically stealing a Supreme Court seat from the Obama administration. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I don't know if that specific instance had had a huge impact on this case, although Gorsuch is super conservative. Um, mm-hmm. But it is worth noting that Trump has appointed many, many um, judges to the federal bench that will be serving lifetime appointments. Um, and that that will certainly impact cases in the future like this. Um, mm-hmm. So while this case may not have been impacted severely, um, the fight for equal and equi- equal rights and for equity will be that much harder because of this administration and the way they packed the courts. That's true. Um, I did hear like a little bit about how sort of the uh, Republicans are sort of like uh, delaying the uh, nominee and then uh, delaying the process. And um, yeah, and I really think this sort of have some kind of negative effects on on the um, how how this country's law is going to be judged, you know? Um, yeah. Do you um, feel like the, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no! I, w- I was going to give a quick point that um, okay. the the seat vacancy when Scalia passed away mm-hmm. um, was the longest time that or or um, Obama's nominee was nominated. Uh, he served the longest without a hearing. He's the mm-hmm. longest nominee to go without a hearing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that just tells you how far they were willing to go. But anyway, uh, you were saying something else. Yeah. So do, do you feel like the uh, Supreme Court should drop the lifetime uh, serving, um, you know, rule or, you know, um, uh, you know a standard? Because to me, um, co- you know, uh, coming from like background of like Chinese, uh, Chinese uh, imperialistic uh, uh, history, um, mm. there's like a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, Chinese uh, emperors back in the Qing dynasty that served like 70, 80, even 90 years. You know, and then in the beginning, they were pretty good. Like they were pretty, you know, uh, hardworking. And then in the end, they just, you know, be, they become old and they, you know, dwindle away and then they start, you know, um, dragging the country down. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like similar logic applies to this sort of like they should have like a set term to serve, kind of like the FBI director? I don't know. Just thinking about that. Interesting. You know, I, I've never actually thought about, about the way the system would be different. One thing that I keep in mind is how seriously and deeply you have to think about the law and implications of the law mm-hmm. um, and how with experience, although although your views may be you know deeply held and and maybe opposite of what the country might think um, or you know at large, I mean a majority, um, that experience is really important because, you could have someone with extremely liberal or extremely conservative views with little experience seeing the way that plays that plays out from the Supreme Court bench. And um, I don't know. So I could see that specialization being important. Um, mm-hmm. 
but I don't know. That's interesting to think about. Um, you know, it certainly would take away some of the anxiety of knowing, of not knowing when, when new Supreme Court judges will, will be, will be needed. Um, but I then I also think about the difference in severity of elections as well as we think about mm-hmm. the way judges are appointed and who we need to be voting for. So a lot mm-hmm. of factors, but it's interesting to think about. Yeah, I mean, the stakes are just too high, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like too valuable for both parties to not be fighting for that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, to me, it just seems like a little bit, you know, counterintuitive that we're just going to have have like people died, you know, or like passed away unexpectedly to sort of get some changes, you know, in terms of the bench. And I just feel like it's, 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 it's kind of, kind of a little like counterintuitive because older people sort of like their views don't change that much. Right. And then um, how are we going to stay, you know, progressive, you know, in terms of this um, LGBTQ issue or even other issue, other uh, social issue. Right. Like, for example, like those those judges on the bench are, well, like they were probably probably born in the nineteen thirties and forties, probably fifties. I don't know. <laughs> I've not looked at their uh, birth yeah, so I don't know. yeah. They're like you know seventy, eighty years old, and you know how do you like uh, expect them to sort of have like a reasonable amount of background or even you know interest in this type of cases? You know what I mean? I will say, um. I don't know. I think some of them, I think they do. I mean, Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, my girl, RGB, um, you know, she's got pretty liberal views and she is, um, you know, definitely of older age. So I think it, it depends on the caliber, you know, that's why we, I mean, that's why the office of president is so important because, and I know they have to go through, you know, congressional hearing as well. So it doesn't all rest in, in, in the Mm -hmm. president, but you know, you got to nominate like the best legal minds you have. Um, so yeah, I think, I don't know. It's interesting. This is, <laughs> we're just going off on like a rant. I feel like it just, it just, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like mind boggling to think about this kind of stuff, you know? And yeah. then mm-hmm. now, now I sort of think if, if you sort of like, like, this whole thing is based in marriage right like it's like based in wedding do you feel like because i kind of feel like you know traditionally uh weddings always always have some kind of like religious tie to it you know either that's Mm. christianity or catholic right and i just feel like you know this case you know wouldn't go through uh, this far if it's not like a wedding setting you know yeah and i think that is you know that's how you how you shoehorn religious freedom into the argument yeah Um, that's exactly how yeah yeah because i mean i know a lot of queer people who don't identify with religion um Mm -hmm. at all but you know in this country with so many benefits going to folks who are married it's hard not to um I'm not saying being married is the only way to be with a partner for sure. But mm-hmm. um, I know many people who want to get married without the religious aspect as well. Um, mm-hmm. So it is interesting, but yeah, definitely a tactic to, to make this a religious freedom argument versus a discrimination argument. And it's what I, what I think, but. Yeah. 
So, like another point that I kind of feel like it's very, very interesting is that um, there, like, there, there was probably no reason to think that the people seeing a wedding cake made by Mr. Phillips would understand it to be like conveying his views on the same-sex marriage. You know, if you okay, coming from like a pure business perspective, right? Like you, uh, you are a major in finance. I'm majoring in marketing, right? It is just like a business transaction, right? And you know, making a cake doesn't really, you know, convey Philip's view on marriage. You know, it was just sort of just just like uh, tied into the you know. Um, religious belief part, I, you know, that to me, it, it's like a far, far stretch, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I think that too gets at a, a, an important part of this was that the designation of artists and seeing cakes of sculptures versus just the business transaction is, is and the, you know, the other important factor too. But I, I definitely, I mean, you're right that from from a business from a purely business bottom line standpoint this is not not the best way to go unless unless your client i mean this is not not the right thing but unless your clientele grows because of of your discrimination of others but um but yeah i hear you and i think the other thing too is it's not so much about his the way he looks to other people it you know the argument i think is more about like his personal spirituality and the way this affects affects that too you know um and, so, and the thing too really quick with religion is it's so subjective you know there's no it's so amorphous it's so hard to grab onto that um you know you can it's it's a malleable argument to take yeah so let's 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 uh, deviate from this case like a little bit like so like in your experience like uh, in your um group of people that you uh uh, you know, hang out that's similar to you. Do you feel like religious belief sort of, you know, uh, how how should I frame this? Do you feel like uh, religious be- beliefs are always like working against a group, or um, I feel like there's a reason why there's not very many practicing, you know, uh, Catholic or a uh, Christianity, you know if they belong to the LGBT group. Sorry, am I making sense? I was just going all over the place. No, yeah, you make sense. I would say um, queer people and and communities of faith are definitely not oil and water. I know a lot of queer people who are religious, Mm -hmm. um, deeply, deeply religious as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I I think the brand of religion that I see my queer friends taking is one of love, one of acceptance of all people um, and not, of selective love and selective acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely, I definitely want to make that point because for a lot of, a lot of my friends, religion is a huge part of their life. Really? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. completely. Um, and, and all religions, um, you know, Jewish, Muslim. Um, so this definitely is, there are queer people in every aspect of life, religious or not in, um, so yeah, so that's an important designation to make. And the other thing, yeah. but I, I do also want to acknowledge the tough, the often tough relations between between queer people and religion. Um, you know, I know a lot of friends who grew up in, in churches where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 
you are taught that <laughs> that you are living a sin. And um, there are churches in America today where you can sign up for conversion therapy and and hopefully be quote changed. Um, conversion therapy. I'm sorry. What's a uh, conversion therapy? Conversion therapy is um, a tactic that is is being outlawed slowly across the country, state by state. But it is a a brand of therapy where um, they they basically believe. Which, by the way, there's no scientific evidence to back this up. So this is this is all BS. Um, okay. They believe that through this therapy, you can change your sexuality. They believe that it what? is like, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, this is something that um, it can be as simple as one-on-one therapy through talking, or it can be as severe as, you know, physical torture, hard labor. Um, it it it's it's a super serious issue, um, and and more of you you see a higher prevalence of like the, the torture and labor abroad than you do in America, but. Um, Yep, this is the this is the thing that's still happening today in, in the United States of America. Which this is interesting because I've I've never heard about this. Which, which, which sort of like so is it more like done by the done by the uh, re- religious uh, institution or is it more of like a cult thing? You know, like uh, somewhere some some uh, some place and some leader is doing this. It um. You know, it's a, it's kind of complicated. It's definitely not only through religion. Um, I have not looked up the stats on, on you know the percentage done through religious organizations versus non-religious organizations, and it's so it, it is definitely widespread. I do know that you know it does take place in some churches, and some churches will recommend it. Um, but you know, it could also just be through a private therapist therapist who harbors those beliefs. Um, yeah, sure. And, you know, often, I mean, often, you know, when, when, I don't know, this is very specific and this is not true to everyone's experience, but, you know, mm-hmm. but often when you think you are gay or when you realize you are LGBT, you, you want to change. Cause it's like the society you're, we are brought up in just like, you are not quote normal. That's you just see yourself as different. You see yourself as, you know, almost, almost like you have a disease. And, and that's kind of like how this, the logic that feeds into this. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes it's at will. Sometimes it's people who really want to change because there is so much pain behind the way that they're made to feel about their identity. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. I was just doing some quick uh, Googling and it says the highest profile advocates for uh, conversion therapy today tend to be fundamentalist Christian groups and other organizations which use the religious justification for therapy rather than a speaking of uh, homosexuality as a disease. Wow. Yeah, it is definitely a, a, it is an extreme view. Like, this is not like, yeah, this is not, you know, something that, you know, I would say this is, I, this is not something a common church, mm-hmm. I it, I believe would, 
would say, at least not the one I went to when I, when I was a kid, but, but yeah, it is still a thing for sure. Wow. Okay. Let, let me sort of like, sort of like a sort of like a wrench out there. Um, mm-hmm. To me, like I'm, I'm not queer. Like I, I just don't know. Right. That's why I think doing podcasts with you is so interesting to me because I like to have this conversation, you know? Um, sure. Do you, do you feel like you are like born with it, or do you feel like, I like I I I just don't know, right? Like, um, if it's too personal, you can choose not to answer the question, but I just yeah. sort of want to know, you know? Yeah, for sure. I I, I feel happy to answer the question. Um, okay. I will say first though that my experience is totally different than than every other person. So um, okay. everyone will have their own beliefs, their own way of of coming to realize or accept their identity. So Mm -hmm. this definitely does not speak for everyone, but yeah, I've known since I was a little kid, I always knew that I was a little different and, um, and yeah, so I definitely feel this is like something I was 1000% born with. Um, yeah, I was definitely born this way and like to quote Lady Gaga and, um, (laughs) yeah, I, I think it, the other thing that you often get is like this, like you've chosen this lifestyle or, um, you know, you chose to be this way. And like, you know, arguments like that are just, you know, cloaked in denial because yeah, I not, not only did I not choose this lifestyle, I would not choose another one. Like mm-hmm. um, I've no, you know, no regrets about or, or qualms about, about being gay in America right now yeah so i mean i want it to be better i mean we need a lot we need to make a lot of progress but yeah you know, i'm not ashamed of it i'm i'm so glad that we're on the same page because my theory was you are just born with it right like i've i think i've saw some documentaries which are really uh, interesting you know in the uh in the uh, uh, animal world and then um, I just kind of want to like toss them to you and then see if you like identify with it there's like a two quick a story right Mm-hmm. So the first thing is, um, in the, in like uh, Africa, there's a group of like uh, bird watchers, right? So like so like they you know um, monitor bird population, right? Like after they migrate and then they fly away and then they fly back, right? You know they they do that seasonally. Mm-hmm. They've they've sort of identified that you know if if like a group of if there's like a group of birds that are overwhelmingly female or like male right so like if the birds are like they're 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 like there's not like a gender neutral like you know a half is female half is male if mm-hmm. if uh, you have like a bird that is like 90 percent male or 90 percent female soon enough you will see you know male to male couples or you know a female to female couples that to me is very interesting so like you know like when you have a herd and then you know like like-minded birds i guess group together and then um they make a little you know a homosexual or you know a homo birds couple you know that to me is very very uh, interesting you know so when they're mm-hmm. under the uh, selection pressure then they can sort of express their you know um sexuality or so to speak mm-hmm. yeah 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 and the second ex- example is very very interesting um 
So back in '09, there's like a zoo in uh, Germany. They sort of like breed, uh, you know, they want to artificially breed a very a rare kind of a pen, a penguins. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know how like zoos, you know, like they shift different animals, you know, overseas to breed them and then they get them back, right? Sure, yeah. So they had this uh, female penguin and then they sort of just want them to breed early. So um, they just, okay, so we, so we think, okay, this penguin is female. Okay, so like they're going to fly in like another female or like another male, right? So they can breed. And beforehand, you know, birds, you cannot sex them or even uh, animals when they're little, right? So they were just like grouping like a bunch of tiny penguins all together. And then they see, okay, they have two tiny penguins that are just like uh, hanging out every single day, like every single minute of it. And then they assume that it's, it is like a male, female penguin, right? And then they've got all the, you know, all the uh, things ready, like the uh, equipment. And then they got the uh, expert to like monitor the, you know, how they breed because it's a rare breed. Uh, it's a rare kind of penguin. Mm-hmm. And then as a penguin grow older, older, and then they just never breathe. They just never do anything. And they say, oh, this is weird. And then when the penguins grow big enough and then they figure out, okay, that's, uh, that's like two male penguins are just like, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, hanging out all the time. Yeah. So that to me, there's like proof that, you know, this is all, you know, biological. Like you were just born with this, right? There's like nothing wrong with you. You were just like born that way, you know? Yeah, it's 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 a very tricky area. Um, yeah, I'm I'm wary to take to take a side. I think a few things to think about that, or a few things that I think about are mm-hmm. um, the the other the other um, activities that animals do that we wouldn't necessarily think acceptable in society such as like killing your young which happens all the time um, in the animal kingdom stuff like that so i'm afraid to make a one-on-one comparison especially since we don't really have like a pinpoint of that's true you know there's no you know quote-unquote gay gene yet like we don't really know we're not sure what what happens is but you're 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 completely right that um same i even i don't know you know same gender relations across species as a thing and across generations too. I mean, in ancient Greece, um, homosexuality was encouraged among, among some troops. So it's definitely like the, the, the whole argument against homosexuality is like a socially constructed thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's what I, so more than, more than like what happens in the animal kingdom, I think about, about, the barriers we're up against and how they are all completely socially constructed. Um, so that that's kind of what comes to mind for me. Um, I'm not saying this... that, like, I'm not saying that my, you know, uh, examples are like, you know, comprehensive are going to prove my point. Oh, no, totally. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying it's kind of interesting, like how people can separate from science. Okay. Granted that, you know, I'm like, yeah, uh, you're saying that we don't have a gay gene yet, or like, we're not even sure if it's in the genome system. Maybe it, it's just like a brain chemistry thing. Right? Mm-hmm. Nobody ever knows yet, but it just seems like so, so sort of like, I don't want to say foolish, but so like, you know, um, to judge, you know? Yeah, and, and 
you know, this, this debate that you bring up is a, is one that has been a part of this discussion for a long, long time too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a huge, <laughs> we'll keep having this debate and, and, you know, hopefully, you know, there may be some science to, to dig into as well. Yeah. Okay. What, what kind of, you know, so like the first time that I talked to you, right. I drove here and I talked, I talked to you and then quite frankly, you know, I was like, Hmm, maybe like call me, you know, uh, ignorant or call me. So uh, I was like, okay. So like the U S just, you know, legalized, you know, same size marriage, like a couple of years ago, like, well, what more do you guys want? Sort of, kind of, right? Like mm-hmm. now, I sort of like apologize for my views. That's why I want to tell you because I really feel like this is like a bigger issue from this case and from other stuff. So, um, what sort of change that you see in the near future after that? Like, what kind of you know further movement or further step that can happen or needs to happen for for the uh, queer community to you know further advance in the progressive scale if i'm making sense yeah you totally are and and no worries on okay on on your beliefs please um it's i think what we're just seeing is i've had people very close to me you know say the very same same things and mm-hmm. um you know often it's just because of because and i'm not saying this about you but often i have people who just assumed like this is 2018 like what do you mean this isn't a thing yet what do you mean where yeah. people can't, you know, can still be denied services. What do you mean, you know, X, Y, Z? Um, so, yeah, and that's kind of actually why I'm thinking of starting that podcast because um, and it, it would be called Queer 2020 because we just have to clearly see, you know, the way these issues are affecting LGBT people. Um, so I think a few things. Um, a huge one is the Equality Act. Basically, in America today, in some states, not all, you could still be fired for identifying as gay from your job legally, um, which is just wild to think about. Um, yep. So that, so you know, that is, if I were gonna, if I would wave my, if I had one thing, that would be a huge one. I think another thing we have to think about is lgbtq the in the lgbt community we often leave out the t trans people mm-hmm. and um trans people especially transgender people of color face so many barriers to equity mm-hmm. i mean and we don't have to look further than like the choice to use a bathroom that um aligns with their identity mm-hmm. and the the really quickly the importance of this is uh in LGBT student in trans students, excuse me, um, rates of depression and suicide are higher when when a student cannot use a bathroom that aligns with their identity. That's true. Um, so this this literally comes down to like you know life, and I guess the third thing I'll offer I could go on forever, so I won't. Um, the third thing I'll say is last year in America was the deadliest year on record for LGBT people. Um, in what way? In in like murders and hate crimes. Really? Yep, the deadliest year on record. Mm. Um, so we, you know, along with laws and, you know, and and equity in the courts, we need just social acceptance. Um, and that is a slower walk and takes time and some different strategies. But um, 
Do you feel yeah. the、uh, hate crimes are the direct backlashes of the、uh, legalizing same-sex marriage in the U.S.? Like, or or or、uh, do you think、uh, people just like realize that they don't like it, and then they took them two years to sort of like rebel? I think, to be very honest with you, it's、um, the election of Donald Trump and.、Mm. Oh. The- Okay, I haven't the, drawn that line yet. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, the way blatant hate against many people, not just、oh. queer people, but、mm. of of many different aspects of identity, has just been put into the mainstream. That's true. Has almost given people permission to bring their views、mm-hmm. outside their heads and speak them and, and act on them.、Um, That's true. And, and I'll give you an example.、Mm-hmm. During the the Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. Riots.、Um, there was there were crowds, literally chanting, crowds of people anti LGBT slurs, words I probably shouldn't say on the air.、Um, so, yeah, and and while those things are not new, while those slurs you know get yelled at us on the street often,、um, to see it organized in that way is a little different on such a national scale.、Mm-hmm. Um, So that so I don't know. So that's what I think it was, and and to be honest, that trend is happening around the world.、Um, we are seeing blatant discrimination and violence against queer people、mm-hmm. trend upward globally.、Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's something that we got to work against for sure. What's your view on、uh, Caitlyn Jenner? Um. That was a quiz. I know, but I was like wondering that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're you're good. I I have very mixed views politically. I don't think she has made the smartest choices or decisions as far as who to support in in elections and what stances to take on issues. That's true. But when it but when it comes to her identity and and owning her her platform, you know, I am all for. All for that. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm, yeah, I'm. She has every right to exist and speak out as a trans woman, and、mm-hmm. we need to hear more voices of trans women.、Mm-hmm. Um, so in that way, you know, thumbs up. But I definitely am not on her political side when it comes to politics. That's true, but like, I guess, like, take a big step back. Like, do you feel like? The next thing we need is somebody like Donald Trump. I don't mean in the way of behaving. I don't mean in the way of talking or tweeting. I'm just saying, have somebody like Caitlyn Jenner、uh, uh, sort of like you know, have like a big platform and then maybe run for the office or something like something you know, to sort of like raise you know like awareness. Or do you think this should be like a more like a one-on-one like you know a street battle like you know、um, grassroots movement kind of things. Do you mean for LGBT rights, or do you、yeah. mean for like election? For the rights thing. So, like, which way do you think is more more you know、uh, effective? Like the higher profile one, so like you know, Caitlyn Jenner or somebody that's trans and then they want to run for office, or like more like a deep down like you know nonprofit groups and grass and like grassroots and then you know、um, ways of doing things. I don't know which one do you think is more like, effective. Um. You know, this is actually making me think about this. 
really incredible piece of writing by someone named Zoe Leonard. Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard about this? It's called um, I Want a President. And it basically, she lists all the things that she wants in a president. No, I haven't. Um, it, it is, it's pretty incredible. Um, basically, let me, let, I'm going to pull up a line. Um this, I promise, this gets to my answer. <laughs> um, she goes, I won't read the whole thing. I'll just read like a few lines. She, mm-hmm. It starts with, I want a dyke for president. I want a person with AIDS for president. And I want, I probably can't say this word. So I want someone else for vice president. And I want someone with no health insurance and someone who grew up in a place where the earth is so saturated with toxic waste that they didn't have a choice about getting leukemia. I wanted a president who had an abortion at 16. And that goes on. Um, yeah, no, yeah, it, it is a pretty good writing, yeah, yeah, and and basically, all this to say, I think we need leaders in this movement who have proximity to the problems that we're up against, people who understand deeply and have close, you know, have lived it or seen it up close, because that's the only way we're going to get the type of change that will fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think we need more people of color. We need we need more trans. We need more women. We need more trans people and trans women um, and trans men. So that would be my answer. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I think an important thing is like platform is power, but it doesn't necessarily mean like the best influence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I struggle to say whether, whether that's the answer. I would, I don't know. But I think moving, using a platform to mobilize a large group of people is really powerful. Uh, Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it makes perfect sense. Um, I totally see your point. So do you feel like the PC culture, the uh, political uh, political correctness culture is working against you guys? Because I feel like it's kind of working against you guys at the moment, at least. I don't know. Can you say more? What do you, what do you, so yeah, like, can you say? Yeah. So like the, so like the uh, PC culture, right? So like, for example, like, I don't recall like Obama makes any, uh, you know, uh, memorable uh, statements when the U.S. legalized same-sex marriage, did he? Yeah, he had a really good speech. <laughs> yeah, really good speech, sorry. I was probably just like uh, ignoring it then. So it's like, fine. so like my point is sort of, you know, people sort of just want to say the right thing, right? People just want to say the thing that makes them look good, you know, in a PC culture. And then mm-hmm. if you say something out of line, then you're out of line. But I feel mm-hmm. like most of the time that we need that all of, uh, all, like, uh, all of line-ness or all of line, a speaker to sort of cause people to react and cause people to know, okay, this, uh, it's not a norm anymore, you know? That's kind of yeah. I, mean. I think, I think this makes me think about a few things that, that are important these days. One is when people feel like they have to be defensive or that they're being attacked, like no one feels good. Mm-hmm. No one wants to engage. So if, if someone I'm around says something that is soft bigotry, like something that is discriminatory, but I know they mean well, and they just are saying the wrong thing. You know, I see that as an opportunity to like engage and talk with them and let them know, 
how that makes me feel and like why that language might not be the best rather mm-hmm. than say, wow, you are such a bigot. I can't believe you just said that. Because mm-hmm. when you when you attack people, no one wants to engage. And these days we really That's need true. to to lean in and actually talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that relates to what you were saying in that, you know, sometimes people see political correctness as as an, an ag- as aggression um, toward you know against their views when when in fact sometimes it, it you know we just need to be kind of coming together a little more but I, I also want to say too that sometimes we have to be loud and forceful because it's just an, an unacceptable thing so I don't want to say like that the answer is always to like calmly have a discussion because sometimes you got to be angry and loud and you know, mm-hmm. call things as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is just, I don't know. We just, yeah, I think that, does that make sense? Does that answer your yes. question? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but like sometimes I, I really do feel like somebody needs to be out of line from the LGBTQ community and then sort of make make change, right? Like for example, right? Like last summer in Salt Lake City, Utah, we didn't have a lesbian uh, city mayor, right? And then we didn't have a pride parade. And then Jackie, I think her name is Jackie, Jackie Lewandowski or, or, or something, was like the very first you know, uh, openly uh, lesbian governor that was uh, elected to, the, to a, a solid city, like the city where I live in. And then we just had like a big you know, pride parade like a few days ago, you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe it takes some people or takes, you know, some people to get in power and then really make changes to it. Because, you know, I've been in Utah for like seven years and then this, this is the first year that I've heard, okay, there's a pride parade going on. That's pretty cool. You know? Yeah, I think a huge thing, we are seeing the need across the country to elect a more diverse, you know, put more diverse people in power. Um whether that means women, people of color, LGBT people, mm-hmm. etc. Um, so you're totally right. And and I think it's it's not necessarily just so, you know, of course it means to to defend LGBT rights and and, and move them forward. But I think you'll what we find is like a, the coalition of folks across identities who will just show up for each other. Um, but yeah, it takes people who know the issue intimately and closely to like make the most meaningful change on it. Um, and we're seeing this, I mean, what's so incredible. I mean, even just last year, um, Palm Springs elected an all LGBTQ city council, mm-hmm. um, which is just so cool. So yeah, we just need to elect more queer people. 100%. That's true. I I'm I'm totally you know behind that. <laughs> yeah, totally behind that. Um, cool. Let's talk about something good. Um, so like, to me, like, I follow politics pretty loose, uh, loosely. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in terms of the midterm election gonna happen this year, maybe this November, I really see like a big, sh- you know, a shift away from the uh, Republican. So I'm not sure if you agree, but if you agree, do you feel like that's like a sort of like a swing of the, uh, you know, a pendulum, you know, uh, towards the side that favors uh, LGBTQ community or, you know, women or, you know, color people in general? 
yeah, we what we are seeing right now in this country is whether they are as whether they're no matter what, all Republicans are just almost all Republicans are failing to show up and Republicans together are failing to show up for all people, um, especially for queer folks. Um, so I think what we're seeing is like a response. Um, it's still going to be really close in the midterms, but we are seeing districts Trump won by double digits coming down to the wire. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it, it's an encouraging response and people just got to vote. We have to get out there and vote. Um, and also we have to make sure that they have like the, pro- all the proper info, no fake news um, to make sure <laughs> they can make the most informed decision out there. But yeah, I think to vote for what, what, what I've been saying to people close to me is like a vote for, a Republican candidate is likely a vote against my humanity at this point um, because it just means I, I see that as like you don't you don't see me hear me or or um, likely value really my rights not me as a person but my full full rights um, and I recognize that people can be issue voters and vote just on business or just on climate change or whatever but mm-hmm. um that comes at a cost and I want people to know that cost. That is a really interesting way of uh, putting it. Really? Mm. Yeah. Be- because it's so direct. Like um, you put a Republican governor in seat and they can veto any, any law that comes across the desk. Um, you put a president like Donald Trump in the white house and you pack the courts for for a long time with conservative judges that are going to vote against LGBT rights. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, this is not a new sentiment, but the political is so personal. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and yeah, that's what I, that's, you know, how I see it. Well, you know what, Vinny, I think we need more people like you. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, seriously. I think, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm going to say the same thing to you, like being able to engage in a discussion like this and, um, you know, talk this out, I think is kind of what we need more of these days. Yeah. And then, you know, I fully applaud you for your uh, wanting to do a podcast. And then, you know, um, because, well, I sure hope this will provide at least some kind of content, right? Like for you sure. and for my side. And then really like I learned about the conversion things, uh, uh, conversion uh, therapy. And then, you know, I feel like, you know, things need to happen. Like people need to vote. And then, you know, we need more podcasts about this, you know? For sure. We and more content, we need more bias-free content or at least, you know, content from somebody that has been through this stuff, you know? Yeah, I appreciate that. I, and yeah, I plan to drop it probably mid to late July. Um, I kind of want to put some thought into into thinking about how to do it and, and all that. But but yeah, I think I think I like I like podcasts because they create this really good medium for for this type of discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And also because there are a ton of people speaking out about this, but podcasts give you a place to like come together and, and concentrate those voices and, and make sure that the voices that aren't being heard are given, given that space. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm excited about yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I think that you will make a pretty good podcaster is, you know, you are, you are like willing to see the other side of the coin. You know, you're just like pretty, pretty mellow and pretty open-minded about this whole thing. <laughs> You know, like that's why, like I sort of want to, like you know, bring up my like my like uh, 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 sort of like my ap- apology to you during the this podcast because I really feel like from our first initial conversation, I really didn't know you that much, but now I do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, officially you should have zero worries, but I, I really appreciate you saying that. It means a lot for sure. But no hard feelings at all. I think. Uh, yeah. Don't worry about it, please. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Well, we started on, on you know, uh, people making cake, and then we ended up to this big, gigantic, you know, talk, which I think is a good conversation, right? Yeah, and, you know, it's the nature of it. It's so, everything's intertwined yeah. with this stuff, so yeah. yeah. And then to sort of, like, tie it back to the case, um, so I think the, uh, so the Supreme Court is going to decide on the Muslim ban case soon. Mm. And if if like there's any implication or you know if there's something from this case that i'm rooting for is i'm rooting for this whole you know being hostile against a re- uh, like i being hostile against a religion's theory can be applied to the muslim ban meaning that they probably should up- uplift the muslim ban and then um that would be great you know yeah yeah I actually, I don't know much about the specifics of that case, but I will say, if we are going to respect religion, we have to respect all yeah, religions. Seems like, like the uh, next, you know, next thing to do, right? Like, you defend the Christianity, mm-hmm. then now let's let's try the Muslims people, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel yeah. Cool. Alrighty, this has gone uh, long enough. I feel like. <laughs> yeah we've been at it but hey thank you for uh the conversation i appreciate yeah, it yeah uh, i want to thank you for you know enlighten me on this kind of issue and then i feel like i'm able to sort of see the other side of the coin better now and then be able to carry out like a more more say neutral conversation less biased conversation and then hopefully our listeners will you know do the same or will feel the same you know yeah Sounds great. Love it. Awesome. Let me know when you have your podcast up and then I will, you know, plug it on our own thing. And then, um, yeah, we'll see. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. I'll definitely let you know. Cool. All righty. Um, have a good night. All right. Ready? You too. See you later. Bye.